Hi, this is Carol, and welcome to episode 43 of Speakerman Speaks Retail, where we navigate retail from now to next through my latest retail trajectories and interviews with industry experts who help us chart the course. Over the past few weeks, I've had the pleasure of speaking at several retail events, and as diverse as the audiences were, people kept telling me afterward that they were thrilled to hear that brick and mortar is back. I mean, that was the consensus across the board. But my guest, Nick Harbaugh, otherwise known as the retail nomad, has built his career on all things brick and mortar. As co-founder of Retail Marketing Services, or RMS, Nick managed construction, remodels, new store rollouts, and other projects for the biggest retailers out there like Walmart, Home Depot, Target, Sephora, and others. Since that time, he's combined his passion for retail and world travel into a global consulting and media company as the Retail Nomad. So welcome, Nick. It's so great to have you here. Absolutely, Carol. I appreciate the invite and the time on your show. You've crafted a post-corporate life that does combine your passion for retail and travel. Obviously, lots of people would love to be in your shoes and do that also, but you really made it happen. So I want to know what inspired you to take that leap and how did all of it come together? I guess what I would say there is retail kind of opened my eyes and helped educate me. You know, back in the 90s, if you will, when some of the major U.S. retailers were crossing the borders internationally north and south of the U.S., and I was kind of became the retail traveler in building some of these locations and taking some crews in and, you know, helping U.S. brands develop growth north and south. So, you know, Dollar Tree in 2010, you know, Home Depot, Lowe's, both north and south of those borders. And what I learned is I needed a cell phone a Wi-Fi connection, or back then it was just an international signal. Now it's obviously a Wi-Fi. And it really opened my eyes up to that international capability and being able to be standing in a different market and still being able to execute and get projects completed. So I just combined that with my personal uh, interest, moving south of the U.S. border in 2005. And here we are today, uh, kind of galloping around the globe as the retail nomad. You're in Italy right now. Do I have that right? That is correct. I am sitting in Sicily, Italy as we speak. Awesome. Well, I have to ask you then, how do you decide where to go next? Because I think the last time we spoke, you were in Bali. So what (laughs) drives your agenda and what tells you or drives you to go to the next place and what defines your journey? A lot of it's based off personal preference in some areas where I haven't been able to travel historically. And then combining maybe some of the retail landscape options and things that I want to see. I've heard about projects that maybe we've either been connected to one way or another. What I did last fall is I kind of scripted out like a 12-month itinerary for 2022. And here we are just a few weeks off of wrapping up month number 11. So it's been very exciting. Have you stuck to the itinerary? (laughs) I have not. (laughs) I shifted (laughs) gears. I shifted gears last month as I was scheduled to close out the year in Asia, the final four months of the year. And I got to say that 12-month difference did create some some hurdles that were not easy to overcome just based off call and verbal communication. So what I did is I came back to Europe. So that's what brought me back to Italy. And then actually uh, next month, I'll close out the year down in Brazil, down in South America. So pretty exciting. And is that the last stop? That will be the last stop for this year. And then I'll kick off next year. I've got the first few months already slated. So January, I'll be down in Florida. We throw an annual event with one of my networking groups by the name of The Mob. So uh, starting there, 2023, January, down in Florida. And then scooting across the pond again, heading over to Germany for a Euroshop at the end of February. 
So the 26th of March 2nd will be over in Dusseldorf. No slowing down. It's going to go <laughs> zooming right into 2023. We're racking up those reward miles, uh, <laughs> air, airline miles, I can tell you. It's been exciting. Yet another benefit. Well, your work has been steeped in optimizing brick-and-mortar environments. And wouldn't you know, the stores where the action is again as retailers swing their attention back to brick-and-mortar after spending years developing their digital capabilities. So how have your projects changed and evolved lately in that regard? I mean, what are some of the big shifts that you're seeing in brick and mortar from a global perspective? I guess what I would say there is obviously we've all been centered around the COVID-19 situation. And what I would say is March of 20, we kind of hit the brakes on what I would say is fixture millwork projects. There was all new store projects kind of hit the brakes and went to zero. And what I saw was a big increase in digital signage, digital or just decor print signage. And a lot of that was geared around COVID, keeping distance, things of this nature, steering the traffic flow, if you will, directional indicators. So I got to say, this year has been a fantastic year for us, but it's not, we're just now kind of starting to get back to what I would say are normal projects and a good, nice blended mix of fixture millwork blended with some signage elements. Going back to something you said just a minute ago when you were talking about this emergence of digital signage, some of it driven by COVID, but of course, in a way, that's a happy accident because one of my top trajectories that I talk about all the time is this digital rethinking of brick and mortar. And digital signage is a big part of that. And then that all these other digital elements that are being integrated into stores to create these more immersive experiences So looking at that global perspective again, are there any areas or even particular concepts that you're seeing that you think are driving this digital rethink? I would say it's combined. I mean, from our standpoint, we don't get involved in the design of a lot of those elements. We're kind of like the last piece of the puzzle that kind of puts all those pieces together. So it's kind of exciting for us to see those elements and those techie widgets and gadgets you know, but everything from the beacons, the, you know, the touchless payment, you know, screens and kiosks, interactive fitting rooms, you know, electronic pricing tags, things of this nature. You know, in some of those cases, we would install those. Some of those elements are kind of, you know, add-ons after we're in the project or in a store location if it's a new or a remodel. But there's, it's very exciting to see the advancement, the development and growth on where the industry's taken us. Well, and I think you also had this video on YouTube where you're looking at Sephora's store of the future in Singapore. Is that an example of all of that coming to life? I mean, what are some of the concepts or whether they're flagship stores or even just sort of one-off smaller concepts? What are some of the specific examples of that that you're seeing? I would say the Sephora store of the future was a great example. And coincidentally, it coincided with my travels to Singapore just over a month ago. Some of these elements that y'all was kind of foreign to. So I ended up getting a facial of all things in there. And they had a a new app that it was called Skin Credible, blew me away. But they put this on your face and all the skin, and it truly, right then and there, can show me. And it was so eye-opening to me, like, wow, you know, my skin wasn't in great condition. So I ended up buying a hundred dollar product. And you would ask me prior to walking in there. If I would buy, be buying a skin, you know, facial cream, I would have you know, maybe have giggled, giggled at you. 
But in essence, it was very educational, informative, and very eye-opening to me. Still, I got to say, I still use it to this day. You know, so yeah, they sold me, but it was very informative. Oh, yeah. Maybe all that sun exposure from all those wonderful locations you go to. <laughs> and it could be, and maybe too much vitamin D, you know, so it was it was really eye-opening. But for me, that that element, they combined it with some AI, you know, data collection and informative product information. So, you know, digital signage up above, product down below. So it was very knowledge-based on what the screen was displaying for the consumer. Great. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see if they're rolling that out to other locations, even in the U.S., especially as they partner up with Kohl's and have some of these shop and shop concepts, how much of that technology will actually find its way you know, or be scaled across the whole footprint. Absolutely. I believe, if I recall correctly, I think that it mentioned they had one store currently in New York. And I'm not sure if there was a store out in San Francisco or not. But yeah, so there's already a few peppering uh, locations throughout the Americas. We'll see if it goes mainstream. Well, traditionally, the world of in-store merchandising, where you started your business, it's been very much a people-powered proposition, you know, whether that's actual in-store installations and fixtures and signage and all of that block and tackle work. And third-party companies have done a lot of the work, as I think you alluded to just a minute ago. But especially with this labor shortage problem that we're seeing in retail, what role do you see automation playing now? And is that changing? From our standpoint, we're very granular nuts and bolts. And we've got to physically put that piece of the puzzle into position. So I would say that there's been a few example projects where we would install the kiosk that takes that manual need away. Like just, just think McDonald's ordering your Big Mac, if you will. Now the consumer walks in, they, I just did it last week at the train station. You know, you could see them entering on the screen. So the consumer is spending the time, but we would come in and we would have the ability to install that type of a unit, you know, in in a restaurant, in a retail store as well. So it's pretty exciting to see where that market will take us as well with automation. And in terms of your work, you know, again, sort of on the more block and tackle side, Are labor shortages impacting your projects? They have. We've had to shuffle on a few programs, but this has been a very busy year for us. And unfortunately, what happens with a lot of those retailers, as you well know, wait till the last minute to hit the go button is what I say. And when that happens, we've already got crews scheduled and already confirmed. And then retailer XYZ, hey, guys, remember that 200 store program we were talking about? We're ready to rock and roll. I'm like, Oh my goodness, I thought we were going to have 60 days advance notice. No, you've got 14. Like, ah. So it's that combined with a lot of the delays or the shift in the retailer decision. And I think some of that's been financially based off COVID, you know, analyzing sales figures and things of that nature. And you know how that goes before just final decisions are made from the C-suite. So it's the baseline labor shortage issue exacerbated by some of these short timeframes and really maybe the inability to plan how all that plays out. Absolutely. And I would say there's one variable that I didn't mention and it's material shortage. So we've had maybe two large programs that were delayed extensively due to metal shortages. So I'd say the the material shortage has created a more of a curveball for us versus the labor element, I would say, in in this year. That makes sense. I mean, that's the supply chain problems, too, that are plaguing retail. And it's not just about products. It's about the materials that are needed to even keep those stores running. Absolutely. And it comes down to the basics. Just think about it. Metal. You know, we've always taken it for granted, right? And 
but yet a digital sign needs to be supported by a metal bracket. <laughs> you know, a fixture in a lot of cases needs to be supported or at least have metal contents on the interior of that. If they don't have the metal, we can't install it, you know, so and that again, though, remember that project is supposed to start in 30 days. We need to hit the hold button, you know, for three, four, six months because we're waiting on deliveries of containers of metal to come in or to be produced. So yeah, it's that ripple effect. Is there a sourcing aspect to that too, though? Well, what we've seen is some of the retailers, instead of going to supplier A, B on the totem pole, if you will, they've kind of spread that bandwidth. And now they're going to see, you know, maybe mid-level suppliers and they're going three, four, five deep or wide to get, you know, the volume necessary to complete the project, you know, vol- needed type of thing. So we've seen more vendor, new vendor relationship establishments or come to the mix in order to satisfy the need. Interesting. So diversifying the supply chain. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, for us, it's been fantastic because we've been introduced to many new suppliers on that fixture, millwork, decor, signage type of element. It just increases our client bandwidth from our perspective. Great. Well, it seems like everybody is lurching forward into technology. I think particularly going into next year with all of these new devices potentially being launched and unleashed in retail where they can make a big impact. But of course, that's not universal, especially globally. And I talk a lot about this spectrum from high touch to high tech. What are you seeing on that spectrum, even if it means maybe some low-tech concepts that you've been involved with that you think are really directional? I guess what I would say from my personal experience just in this calendar year is visually witnessing Asia blew me away. As we've all heard, you know, they are 10 years ahead of the Americas. You know, I mean, it's just, it's so eye-opening just going through the airports, going through the, the sales process, Singapore. Thailand. I mean, there was a whole mall that was basically walkout type of technology, the entire mall. You know, it was very futuristic, very cool to see. And I could only imagine that now that that's been implemented and, and put to actual use, the U.S. market is going to see more and more of that year over year. Yeah, we tend to think that we develop everything here and it's all grown in the U.S., but of course, many of those concepts and inspirations come from other places. Beyond your actual store visits and your projects, where do you go for inspiration? So I like the shows, the conferences, and so forth. I think I mentioned a networking group I'm part of. It's called The Mob. And we bring, we do two in. Is that an acronym? Or? It is. That's a great question. What does it stand I, I for? I hope it's an acronym. It, it definitely is. Maximizing opportunities for your business. And what it is, we help one another. We help the brand. We help the, the restaurant or, or the retail or the commercial brand by executing their projects more efficiently. So we're having our next event in February, first week of February. And it's very exciting. We get to bring about 100 brands down there and get in together. We get to learn some of their complexities and what they're dealing with, like i.e. the material shortages right now. So it's very, it's a two-way street, if you will. From there, I'll be, like I mentioned, I believe, I'll be dancing over to Dusseldorf, Germany for Euroshop. And that's, I'm very excited. You're actually, we're going to be exhibiting there next year. And that's, it's just an amazing event and show. I've been there about the last 10 or 11 years, something like that. And It's uh, eye-opening to see a lot of the European, Asian brands that come into the mix that are preparing to come to the U.S. and vice versa. You know, so it's brands from here going there and brands from there coming to the Americas. 
So we're really excited to bring our team into Germany and see what the future holds uh, for 2023 and beyond. I think you almost have to have that perspective in order to plan the future. Absolutely. And you get to see and hear and listen to the speakers, the events and so forth. To me, it's one of, it's my favorite show. Unfortunately, it's only every three years, but it's kind of that fear of loss. So you have to go, if you will. So we were there one month before the world shut down and we're excited to be back in the coming year. I end every interview with one question that I'll post to you now, Nick. What's next? Oh, I got to say this year, uh, it's been a whirlwind, you know. So just as a summation for you, I've hit five continents, currently 18 countries. You know, by the, by the year end, I've hit 20 countries this year, three oceans and nearly 30, I think almost 35 malls by the time the year ends. So to say the least, 2023, you know, I'm going to back it down a gear a little bit, go back to slow matting and uh, I'll post back up home base is Costa Rica. So uh, I'll revert back to the beachy jungles of Costa, and that will allow me to kind of touch and feel more of the U.S. again, because I've been out of pocket from U.S. shows, events, and conferences for the entire calendar year 2022. So 2023 will put me back into the Americas, you know, and be able to have more face-to-face interaction with clients, vendors, and and team members and so forth. So very excited for what the future holds. Well, great. And maybe create some more of that great content on your YouTube channel. I have to believe you're going to be doing more of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. At least for the first quarter, we've already kind of got that scheduled and booked out, you know, with our events and shows and travels for uh, Florida, Germany, and so forth. And then at that point, we'll kind of shift gears and divert, you know, some of the show options that we come up with. But by all means, YouTube is just kind of like a placeholder for the content. LinkedIn is my primary vehicle and, and tool that we've had hundreds of thousands of views, you know, so I appreciate your feedback and, and comments there. But it's, uh, I just try to keep it real, you know, and just keeping a finger on the pulse of the industry, showing it from a worldwide perspective. Well, that's great. And I can't wait to see where you end up next. And I'm going to continue to live vicariously through you, if you don't mind. <laughs> Absolutely. Hopefully we can grab a coffee or something over in Germany if you make the trip. Yeah, that would be fantastic. I'm going to work toward making that happen. But I want to thank you so much for joining me today, Nick, and giving us a snapshot of your travels and what's happening around the globe. And I really look forward to following what's next for you, and especially as we go into 2023, which I'm calling the year of the store. So we'll see if that pans out. But either way, I look forward to seeing your good work in brick and mortar and all of your reporting. Perfect. Well, Carol, thank you very much for your time today, having me on the show. You bet. And you can follow Nick's retail adventures on LinkedIn, as he mentioned. He's Nick Harbaugh. That's H-A-R-B-A-U-G-H. And also on YouTube, just look for the Retail Nomad. And all of this will be on the show notes, so you can check out the links there on how to contact Nick and stay on top of his journeys. And on that note, we'll wrap up this episode of Speakerman Speaks Retail. In future episodes, I'll be talking with more experts about where retail's going next. And of course, we'll keep on tracking those retail trajectories. So I hope you'll continue to listen in every other Tuesday. I've got great interviews coming up for the rest of the year and also, of course, tracking all the holiday shopping action. And in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter. I am Retail Expert, X-P-E-R-T. You can also check me out on LinkedIn. And my media updates and speaking and training gigs are always posted on speakermanretail.com. So thanks so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next time. 